Well, markets seem a little more positive today, except in Europe where there are continued concerns of the vaccine rollout. But Fed speakers have been talking up the speed of the US recovery with Joe Biden doubling his target for vaccinations in the first 100 days in office. We'll look at the seven-year bond auctions overnight. And yes, there's still a blockage in the sewers. It could take days, maybe weeks. Uh, you can imagine what that's doing to oil prices right now. There'll be a lot of people in Europe waiting for Amazon deliveries as well, I suspect. It's Friday, the 26th of March, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, oil has fallen further today. Brent is down 4%, WTI losing 4.6% as the ship remains trapped in the windpipe of world trade. Uh, The US dollar climbing again. It's up another third of 1%. The euro has lost the same amount, but the pound is up almost 0.4%. So we've got that widening gap between the euro and the pound, although it's really just taking it back to where it was a week ago. The euro against the dollar, though, well, you've got to go back to early November to see it at the level where it is right now. Small moves in equities in the US are 0.3%. Uh, increase for the Dow, but the Nasdaq is down 0.2%. The Eurostox 50 hasn't moved much, but the FTSE 100 is down almost 0.6%. 10-year Treasury yields, uh, one basis point up now to 1.62%, but they were up over 1.64% earlier. So the trend is still upwards ever so slightly, but any upward momentum we've been seeing in Europe seems to have diminished in the UK, for example. Any growth in yields seems to have stalled in the last month. And Gavin Friend is with us. He's in the UK. Of course, he's NAB's senior market strategist there. So it's a bit mixed, isn't it? I mean, there's obviously short-term concern about oil supplies because of the, the blocked sewers, uh, and we can't get a plumber in to fix it. But uh, we've also got, yeah, I have to use that line, uh, but we've also got the uh, the cyclicals taking charge in equities again. Banks and transport doing well against tech stocks, which suggests optimism about the recovery. But, you know, this attitude seems to shift day to day at the moment, doesn't it? It does. Uh, we're betwixt and between, aren't we, I think, Phil? Mm. Um, you know, on the one side, the tantalising prospect of an economic reopening in, in the Northern Hemisphere is, is very close, almost touchable. But, you know, we can also see, uh, you know, as is clearly evident with, with Europe, this issue of vaccine production. The UK, as we know, has been making great uh, you know, speed and progress on, on vaccine um, uh, jabs in people's arms, but it's going to have to slow down because there just aren't enough uh, vaccines there. You know, I saw a, uh, a TV clip last night where a, a local clinic has, you know, that reckons they can, they're doing a few thousand a day, but uh, they're going to shut on Friday because they just don't have enough um, wow. vaccines to give out. And so, you know, at the same time, of course, everybody is acutely aware that uh, there are various, um, you know, mutations going on. The B117, which is spreading quite quickly, is causing concern uh, in Europe. And I see also there's discussions of a pickup in the pace of infection in the US. The Johns Hopkins University data today t- shows the seven-day average um, up 9.5% um, on, on the prior week. The absolute levels are not, are not uh, high it's, um, and well below what we've seen before. It's, it's, the, it's the, the dramatic turnaround in direction and would, would, mm. might suggest that um, you know, states would rethink their reopening plans and bits and pieces. But we've got an awful lot of um, pandemic fatigue not just in the US, around, around the Northern Hemisphere. And as we can see from the very public political display in Europe, it's very hard to make these decisions yeah. for governments. 
And yet central bankers are, well, by and large, I mean, Bostick might be a bit different, but we had Charles Evans today talking, repeating what he said today. He was talking yesterday as well that, you know, we can expect perhaps a stronger than anticipated recovery in the US this year. But still 2024 before we see interest rates rise. Uh, in fact, yesterday he said he was surprised bond yields are so low, given we've had all that fiscal spending. And then we've got Richard Clarida, uh, also optimistic on the recovery, but not prepared to say inflation is going to move faster than the bank has already been forecasting. But uh, uh, Raphael Bostic seems to have broken ranks a little on this, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't expect Richard Clarida, the vice president, to, to do anything that's mm. not, um, you know, the standard fare on this. Um, as Powell and Janet Yellen have been saying, you know, uh, for, for a number of days now, and as we all know, the standard message is we all expect inflation to pick up um, over the coming months on base effects, on uh, the economic reopening, on, um, you know, the supply disruptions. And on higher energy costs, we all know that. We all know there's going to be an absolute growth surge once these economies do open up. It looks more like Q3 than Q2 now in terms of because of the vaccine sort of slow production slowdown. But it will be there. Um, that's the easy bit, if you like. The difficult bit is what happens after that hump, after that bump in growth. You've got, yeah. and as Joe Biden in his speech uh, t- today made clear, he talked about uh, most independent economists after the 1.9. Uh, trillion dollar pandemic relief plan upping their forecasts for US GDP this year to between six and eight percent. I mean, that's great. It's fantastic. We we, we know mm. this, but it's what happens further down the road. And that's the difficult yeah. thing for the Fed. The Fed is going to be really tested through the next few months because this growth surge, this inflation surge that we know is going to happen, will try and, you know, force markets will try and force the Fed and others, other central banks to blink. Their, their tough job is to see through that and then what happens at the other side of it what are we left with we know inflation is going to be running high but is it high enough do we get to full employment do we really squeeze spare capacity out of the labor market um you know and get to the same time to 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 um Full jobless levels. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned Phil Raphael Bostic, uh, the Atlanta Fed president. Uh, again, he's not he's not unknown for breaking ranks with some of his comments. Did he break ranks? I mean, he was very cautious about employment. It'll take time to get back to, you know, pre-COVID levels and that kind of thing. But he thinks that all that'll be done by the end of 2022. He thinks inflation will be there by then. You know, sustainably above two percent. And then he talked about lift off for rates in 2020, 2023. Now, we know uh, that there's a minority of the FOMC members that are looking for higher rates in 2023. Um, the question is, is will we get real full employment? Um, you know, we, we might get sustainable inflation above 2%. We might get an unemployment rate back down to 3.5%. But will that be full employment? We, we don't know. We don't know until we yeah, get and there. We also don't know what consumer spending patterns are going to be like as well. How much are we going to be influenced by the last year or so and be very cautious about how we spend? Is that going to slow down the recovery as well? But look, with the... Uh, the numbers are looking okay, aren't they, overnight? The UK GDP for Q4 was revised upwards from 4.1% to 4.3%. And those initial jobless claims, that was encouraging for the week of the 20th of March, a lot less than expected. It's gone in a week, basically, from 781,000 down to 684,000. Still a lot of people unemployed, but it's a, it's a big step in the right direction. Yeah, and I think that's the main takeaway, isn't it? We know that uh, cases 
are still above the 655,000 high seen, you know, after the global financial crisis in 2008-9. But the encouraging thing, the takeaway is the trend. The, 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 the data here are noisy, but the trend is going in the right direction. Um, and as we heard, you know, one of the hopes with the vaccine rollout progressing well and Biden uh, today, you know, upping his target from 100 million doses in 100 days to 200 million in 100 days. We're currently at something like 130 million doses in 65 days. That US firms, we're hoping that can hang on in there until the reopening comes, notwithstanding yeah. what's happening with the virus and the mutations. And that's that's, you know, that's that's the other part of the debate, isn't it? But what does all this positivity uh, do for? Because uh, it is, you know, a little bit more tilted, I guess, towards positivity. What does that? What does that mean for bonds? Because we got the the Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index for the has made a three percent loss this year. So that's the the biggest quarterly loss since the nineteen eighties. We look at the uh, the seven year notes that were auctioned over uh, overnight, sixty two billion dollars worth of them. Slightly higher yield, 1.3%, uh, a much lower than anticipated bid-to-cover ratio of 2.23. More foreign buyers as well, 57% of all the treasuries sold were sold to foreign buyers, uh, which is a lot more than previous auctions lately. So what can we take out of all of that? Yeah, I mean, that there was a lot of focus on this seven-year auction, you know, simply because it went so badly in February. As you say, bid-to-cover ratio 2.23, up from 209. That was the low that we saw yeah. uh, in 2004. But still not great. But, 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 yeah, but, and, and below the sixth-month average of 2.28 was, was my point. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. What can we expect? I mean, we know when we get this re- economic reopening, it's going to be hard for markets not to push yields up for the moment. But I would note at the moment... You you're looking at the high we saw in US 10s around about 170, 175. The high we've seen in Europe at minus point zero point two five. The high in the UK 10s at 90 basis points. All of those are back up to just about pre-pandemic levels. It's not, you know, um, an unnatural place for these things to kind of pause, mark time, and then and then we'll see where we go from here. You know, whether I suspect because of the vaccination news and what have you, that's another reason why we're not pushing on higher. You'll notice that curves have been steeping in a lot. They've started to just flatten over a little bit in the last few days. They'll start to steepen again as as, as this new economic growth number, as those numbers come in and high inflation come, numbers come in, and yet central banks anchor the short end. I mean, that's the way it's going to go. We just don't know when that process is going to start because we don't quite know when the really strong numbers are going to start coming in. And a lot of that depends on how this vaccination production issue pans out and how virus mutations pan out. The story, as always, we think it's simple. It just keeps evolving and shifting its shape. Absolutely. uh, Yeah, we've got very used to that, haven't we? So the euro weakness that we're seeing, I mean, I guess that's another edge of the same sword, isn't it? really down below 1.18 the the euro now uh, so the, and the lowest it's been for quite some time so is this short term this is obviously virus and vaccine driven i mean if they do push on with that vaccine program in the united states and they don't in europe then i guess that's all all the more concern for europe yeah but i mean we would argue that uh, what europe is doing here i know it it makes you know sort of bad press really for europe it doesn't it doesn't show them in a fanta- in a fantastic light they are trying to put their house in order they're trying to rectify this problem of the vaccine production and the vaccine rollout they still have an issue with hesitancy amongst the large part of the of the population and i think that's going to be the next thing we need to keep an eye on if they can get the production stuff ramped back up again and we think they will because yeah. they're doing that now they're trying to fix house right 
now. You would be saying that their gain there is the UK's loss. You know, the UK is going to have to slow, and therefore these things start to merge again, and the U the U so the, and the, the and the EU then looks less far behind. It is still mm. the case that they're on track to get 70% of their adult population vaccinated by uh, by the summer, as is the UK, as is the US. And that will be a, a really good thing. And so, so, you know, it's just it's just, you know, the, the, the degrees of how far behind the, the, the EU is seen in terms of the economic reopening and, and, and what they're doing right now, arguably, is something to catch up. If, if that's the case, you know, why would you be selling euros at this point? You'd be thinking about, you know, maybe, you know, it's getting towards some lower levels, but it's reacting to the headlines, you know. Okay. Uh, oil, it's a very simple story, isn't it? So the Ever Given uh, is stuck there still. It could be stuck there for weeks, some experts are saying. So, because uh, it's so heavy and it's stuck so deep. Imagine uh, they have to remove all those containers. So that's going to be one that's hitting oil prices. It's also going to hit supplies, of course, because there's so many uh, container vessels now stacked up. Hundreds of thousands of containers of goods not going in anywhere just uh, on not just on board this ship but the ones that are queuing up behind it as well but look let's talk very quickly because i haven't got much time joe biden g- gave a press conference just now um he basically said china is investing three times more than the u.s on infrastructure hence his build back better plan he said uh, china's got this overall goal to be leading to be the leading country in the world but he said that's not going to happen on my watch uh, so he's, I mean, he's t- talking diplomatically, really. He's he, he's uh, saying we're going to take on China, but, you know, he, in terms of trade rather than mm. in any other way, really. Yeah, it's about competition, isn't it? Not, you know, not, not, not in, a, in, a, in, a, in a more com- competitive way. Um, I think what was interesting, he talked about, as we mentioned, the, uh, the stepping up of the, uh, the vaccine shots. You know, he, he said that he was, he was put in place to get things done and it's about COVID, it's about the economy. That's what he wants to do. But he didn't actually give us any timeline for the infrastructure spending bill. That's what we really, that's what markets really want to hear about. There's nothing really, there was no meat on that. Um, But did we really expect that from this event? I think, you know, his joint uh, address to Congress early in April, that's when we'll see some uh, flesh on the bones on on that particular thing. But that's going to be quite a hard sell, I think, given... Um, you know, mixed Congress and the, the the Democrats' clear desire that for that program, they're going to want to try and raise some taxes um, for the spending priorities that they have. That's something that's going to take a bit longer to push through, I suspect. So, and look, tonight we get the US trade balance numbers. We get uh, the income spending for the US as well. We get the Michigan consumer sentiment for February. We get the core PC deflator as well and retail sales for the US, uh, UK and IFO expectations for Germany. Uh, you haven't got long. Pick one of those that you really want to watch. Yeah, I think IFO for Germany. It's a big, well-respected survey, uh, around 8,000 companies. And uh, I suspect there are upside risks to that, given what we saw with the pretty much blowout numbers for German manufacturing earlier this week. German confidence, we saw it in the GFK numbers today, very, very strong. You know, it's like mm. there are two sides to this. You know, we, we, we hear and we read about the, the, the vaccine uh, fiasco in Europe, and yet Germany is doing incredibly well on the manufacturing side yeah. and um, that's that gives via the labor market you know germans confidence yeah, just a powerhouse isn't it all right very good great to talk gavin we'll catch you again next week sometime thank you cheers phil and that's it for today i'm phil dobby for now back on monday morning see you then